when we step on the floor, you're going to have to kill us to beat us. Or you're going to have to kill us to beat us. Or kill us to beat us. Welcome to Hawk Talk, the one and only podcast for all things St. Joe's basketball. My name is Peter Carney, and each week, me and St. Joe's hoops aficionado, Tony Morelli, will talk news and notes to keep you in the know on the St. Joe's 2021-2022 men's basketball season. This season's set up to be an exciting one on Hawk Hill, and you won't want to miss a moment of it. Hawk Talk will keep you covered. The Hawks will be flying in soon, so let's get this started. Hello, Hawk Talk listeners, and welcome to our sixth episode of Hawk Talk. This week's episode, we'll talk Penn and Temple wins. We'll get into fan mailbag comments. We'll even talk the St. Joe's coaching family tree and other things going on in the Twitter universe. So you won't want to miss a moment of it. So without further ado, enjoy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode six of Hawk Talk. And Tony, I don't even have to ask you how you're feeling today, because I know that you're just feeling just as good as I am after beating Penn and then Temple. But nonetheless, Tony, here we are. Uh, it's a new new era of Hawk Hill where we're Hawk Talk, where we're two games above 500 and we're feeling good. We have been vindicated, Pete. Hello, everyone on the show. We have been vindicated. I feel great. Um, you know, I was always saying from the start, St. Joe's is around the, the eighth best team in the conference from an Atlantic 10 standpoint. And we have wins that are on par with what George Mason has done in the sense, the like, George Mason has a higher win against Maryland, but... We've got some signature wins in the offseason. I mean, in the not the offseason, but in the non-con season. Same with UMass. You know, we've got they've got some signature wins too. But if you look at Ken Palm, our losses aren't as bad as the losses that Mason and UMass have had. So it's almost like evened out. Like we haven't beat opponents that are that great, but we've beat some solid opponents now, and our losses are getting better by the week. Drexel's improving as a team. Monmouth is improving as a team. And the only other loss is USC. So, we're getting there. We're crawling our our way up. Our losses are looking better. Our wins are also looking better with Georgetown beating Syracuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm excited. We're on cloud nine. We're on cloud nine. I mean, there's no better (laughs) way to say it. Hagen was... I'm going to go off a little bit, Pete, because I was at the game. I mean, I get that. It's unfortunate that you're not in the area. And I, I have the privilege of being there. I'm almost there. I'm, I've only missed one home game so far this season. The place was rocking. I was when we went to the when I went to the Penn game. I thought, oh, it's kind of empty. And there's not that many people here today, and that worried me because I'm like, oh, well, Penn's a pretty a pretty decent matchup for St. Joe's. I think a lot of people in the Philadelphia area, Drexel had more fans at the game. Quite honestly, when they played St. Joe's, but today was a Saturday. That changed everything. People were willing to drive out there, and Temple fans were in the stadium. They were there, and you couldn't really tell because the cherry and white looks like the crimson and gray. 
Um, but man, it was rocking in there. The only portion of the stadium that wasn't filled was the tippy top of where like the away teams, the away team fans sit, which is above my seat, section 107. It's like 207, 208. It's a little thinner. That's where Jim Lynham sits. And then the other side, which was the student section. The student section was a little thin at the top level, right around like the roof, but it's finals week. We're gonna, I'm going to give the, I am, you know, you, me, Pete, we're alumni, a- academics is everything at the institution of St. Joseph's University, so I'm going to give those kids a pass because the students that were there, painted chess, you tweeted this out from our account, painted chess, the banner rolls were great, it was great, great, great day. Yes. Shout out to the SJU, like on your chess guys who followed us on Twitter. They made, they made the difference for this, this temple matchup. It's no, there's no doubt in my mind. And they couldn't uh, have had a better day for it. It was a warm 62. They probably yeah. didn't even need to put a shirt. They just walked probably shirtless right from Villager and went right over. <laughs> this is a comfortable temperature today. I yes. Mean, well balmy. <laughs> and I'm sure right after the game, right back to studying for finals. No, of course. I mean, we're a rigorous, yeah, academic institution more so than Temple. That's for sure. Oh yeah, that is without a doubt. (laughs) There, I'm going to say this: there were some loud Temple fans near me. I, my friends were literally like shouting them down at one point to the point where one got an argument with a twelve-year-old. Crazy, crazy stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So we, for those who don't know, we officially at Hawk Talk have we have enemies. Uh, so I don't know if people have been following closely enough, but on, uh, Twitter, Tony sort of set forth, I would describe uh, a very neutral bet for the podcast for Temple. Uh, what is it? We give uh, a hoot. We give a hoot. There it is. He, he said that if, you know, Temple beats St. Joe's, he'd buy him a Larry's cheesesteak. In response, they tweeted back that uh, a picture of a, a, a sort of... The lamest hawk, photo yeah. ever. Like the, the classic lame, the hawk is dead <laughs> response. Like, okay, got it. I've heard that one before. Yeah, so like if we... He was he was like, you know what? I have a better idea. Like if we beat you, we, you have to put this as your, your profile picture. And we're like, all right, sure. But you also, in return, if St. Joe's beats you, you have to put this picture of... Billy Lang holding a baby, holding a baby owl in his hands, and well, folks, it is Saturday evening, and uh, we give a hoot has a new profile picture. <laughs> it is fantastic. It is fantastic. This is the feeling. This is joy. This is the definition of beauty and happiness. I mean, things are good. This is. I would. I get it. I should have offered them the shawarma. I mean, in reality, that's what they were looking for, I guess. But here's the problem. Temple just doesn't have those signature dishes that, you know, we've got Kobe Bryant's favorite cheesesteak at Larry's. What does Temple have? I guess nothing. So they offered up this profile picture and it was their own demise because it was in the bag the whole time. I knew St. Joe's was going to win. Are you kidding me? And that's, I mean, the hawk, the hawk is dead one is whatever. That other one's like embarrassing because it's like literally a child with a yeah. hawk face on it. I mean, an owl. It's like I don't it'll know. They got the raw way. end of the deal. It'll be that way until the new year too. So for another twenty days, yeah. 
And I sent this to the fellows at A10 Talk. I said, we are open to taking any bets with any team. That's how confident we are here at Hawk Talk. I don't care who you are. I We will do it. We'll take on anyone. Um, and we're going to think of something, you know, just as embarrassing. I would love for some food. Grub is my thing. But some Pete's a little more sadistic. He, he wants you to feel the pain for 20 days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not just going to give people Alshon our sponsor. Like, I'm not going to give that away. That's, that's trade secret. <laughs> I was th- I was thinking about recording an Alsham, an Alsham like take in the sense of like a like a I guess it's called like a scrub or a spacer or whatever in radio yeah. business and like cut an Alsham commercial for the podcast. I will, Pete. That's my homework for the next episode. I'm going to work on like a a legitimate Alsham yeah. commercial that we're going to yeah, play on talk- the show. Talk to our people at Alsham. They'll they'll get you covered. I'm sure they'll yes. throw a few, few uh, shawarmers at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a couple dates at the minimum. <laughs> minimum. Uh, but talking serious basketball here, I I mean, going down the stat lines from the St. Joe's end, I was pretty – I mean, Jordan Hall obviously jumps off the paper at you uh, with 26-8-5. Uh, but I was happy – almost all around one thing that I want to point out from this game that I was particularly happy with was when, uh, educate had to step off the court. I felt that the bigs did a nice job, uh, specifically Anton Jansen, who got sort of, uh, his, I don't know what you'd call it, but Ryan Daly gave him a shout out said he's the most improved player he's ever worked with. And I, I keep saying this to myself, like, you just got to trust Tony. Tony said this from the beginning. Anton's actually, he's he seems like he's going to be a significant player for us. <clears throat> and he's really improved. And it's not someone who you should be worried about having on the court. Uh, he, he hustles hard. He gets the right spots. He seems like he's always do, he knows what he's doing. Um, and at times I feel better about having him at the center than Charles, CJ even. I was happy about both their performances. Uh, a little worried on my end about Jack Forrest. I love him, so I really want him to step it up. Uh, it's not even step it up. It's just like he's just in a he's in a funk. Uh, so is our guy Taylor Funk, kind of, but not even. I mean, Tony, I don't know if you want to sort of talk towards how you felt about yeah. individual performances. So let's go to back to Anton. You said the you said one thing that really resonates with me is positioning. That's everything for a center. Putting yourself at the right spot underneath the rim. One, to set screens. One, not to set a moving screen, which is always an issue with setters. Um, Positioning for rebounds. Positioning for blocks. Positioning to defend the low post. Um, You know, a lot of Temple's centers were settling for threes, and that's why their shooting percentage was so poor. Anton positions himself really well. He has gotten better at not making mistakes, and... I think he, when he does foul, it's the right foul. And that's another thing. It's when he's fouling, it's not like, oh, this guy had a clear path and he was going to score anyway. Now he just gave him a free free throw. No, this is Anton forcing them to take a hard shot, fouling them hard, and then they missed two free throws. Like Temple's free throw was terrible. They were like, everyone was, you know, like St. Joe's played really good defense and they stopped a lot of shooting from from happening and they they forced Temple to take really tough mid-range shots and then settle for outside threes 
But the other thing was Temple left so many points out there. And you can go off and say we don't have Khalif Battle um, to win this game. But if you're not even hitting free throws, I don't think they win the game with Battle in it. Because you're not hitting the free points. And St. Joseph was like way bigger than Temple. I When I watched Temple play U, University of Maryland Eastern Shore, Temple looked much bigger and more physical than I thought they would be in person. We had way more size. I don't know what teams we're going to play for the rest of the year. They're going to be able to deal with that size. As you said, Obina plays. And then Anton's getting better. And then worst case scenario, you put Coleman in. And I don't even think Coleman's like a, that much of a worst case scenario. He's just a third center that really plugs the middle, and he got some decent minutes today, too. It's not like we're just ignoring him. I think just Billy knows, is Billy's really focused on making sure he plays the correct center against the correct opponents. So, those are my thoughts. Yeah, three centers. When has that been the case for St. Joe's? I mean, that's just, it just hasn't happened. So, I'm pretty happy about it. And it's the world of difference. It is a world of difference from Funk being at center. Funk Absolutely. is so much better at power forward. That's yeah, his true position. And he still, I mean, today he had 13 rebounds. I mean, that is just a stud stat to have. Uh, I think some people I've seen seem very worried about Taylor Funk and his offensive output. I am not worried at all. I think it's really important that as a team, we become diversified in our scoring options yep. and also just diversified in confidence. It's great to see Jordan Hall hit shots and feel confident because that hasn't been what we've seen from him all year, but it's what he's capable of. This is the last two games. 30, what, what did he have the other night? 30, he had like 36. 32. 32. I think it was 20, 32 and then 26 tonight. And he's so many times has he... When the, when the team needed a basket in the second half, but you know, Penn's making a push, Temple's making a push, Jordan Hall sinks a three. Just steps right into it, sinks a three. It's like, and you watch it, like, that's going in. I feel as, as confident with a Jordan Hall three now as I did with a Taylor Funk three. And it goes back to our our talk earlier this year, Pete. Taylor, uh, not Taylor Funk. Well, Taylor Funk is a good three-point shooter. Jordan Hall is a good three-point shooter. We knew this was the case because... Last year's stat, he was at a decent 37% or something. But if you look at the history and the statistics, he was getting better as the year was going on. So he wasn't going to get worse and go back down. He was going to, at minimum, stay at that certain level he finished the season at, which is like 40%, which is like really good. Like you could, there's very few players who are your main ball handler, who are that big, who can also shoot a three. Um, It just makes it that much better. And Taylor Funk... Look, Taylor Funk's going to shoot those shots. He has the green light whenever he needs it. Against Villanova, yeah, it was rough. But then in, against Penn, it was rough. But he he didn't stop, and he made the right place, and he, he made some threes, and everyone in the room stood up and applauded for him, literally standing ovation because he finally made one. It's like, St. Joe's fans are so smart. They knew that Taylor had been struggling, and they recognized against Penn that he had broken this cold streak. He's back. We can trust him again. And then today, yeah, he was like two for six, I think, from three. And correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, two for six. Some of them were junk, but the two shots he did make, they were made at the right moment, making the right judgment, and they were open shots. Two or three of those threes were literally from like the same three minutes where the, like, 
we had an offensive rebound, then we pass it out, then we, he shoots it again kind of scenario. He just wasn't fully set for some of them, so I'm not really that worried. He made, when it mattered, he made those two shots, and they were at critical points of the game. Yeah, it was, I'm not worried about Taylor Funk at all. I think we need to see, I'm more worried about Jack Forrest and maybe not Cam Brown necessarily, because I think he also does a good job of finding good shots. Bishop had a really good game t- today as well. He came yeah. in and he he hit some shots that were necessary, especially in the half court like half court sets. He drove to the lane on one, got a foul that was really good, and then I think he hit a three. Um, so he made yeah, some nice big important three. important yeah some important baskets um, off the bench for the team. Yeah, I think as far as performances go, this felt like it was the. It, St. Joe's really made Temple underperform, and Temple was just not hitting shots all game. That is something I can definitely say from this team. So we're at game 10 here. We have a lot of data. I think we know what St. Joe's looks like when they're not able to get into offense and a, a slow offensively, and we now have an understanding of what they can look like when they can get into flow offensively. And that's something we've said all year long. When they focus, they are a different team. Absolutely. I think we saw it these last two games. I think perhaps those Drexel and Monmouth games go differently. I'm not sure. Monmouth looks good. They beat Cincinnati. That loss is looking a little bit better. They also had a close, very close game with St. John's, who's a really solid Big East team at home at St. John's. They're a good team. They're veteran. They're going to be a good team this year. Same with Drexel. I mean, but moving on, we have two games, two more games in non-conference. Bradley, Holy Cross. Bradley in years past has been a really solid team. I don't think it's the harder the next two matchups, but I ideally hope that going into non-conference or going into conference play, we have two more wins, two more W's in the W column. So. Right, and that would put us at what, seven and four? Uh, eight and four. I mean, that sets us a big five plus one, which is a Twitter account. I think I quote tweeted him with our account. He was saying, you know, you beat Penn. If you beat Temple, Holy Cross is a pretty easy win. I'm not going to say it's a win. I'm not playing that game. It's not a win until it's a win. Um, but it's definitely favorable for us. It's a favorable matchup. And then it's a really tough game against Bradley. And then we're into 8-10 play. It's like we can roll into 8-10 play with an 8-4 and four record, a win over Bradley, a win over Georgetown, a win over Temple, and a win over Penn. Penn's not a terrible team to have a win over. Yeah, they're middle of the road, but I respect Penn. Always will. We'll never say not because how many years with Phil Martelli did we roll into Penn and get and we were the favorites and we lose? Happened my freshman year. Not So I'm never... And that's not a knock on Phil. That's just me saying... You take that Penn team serious every year. Every year. I don't care if they're in a rebuild. They're going to play to win the game, as Herm Edwards said. Um, so we're, we're sitting well. Even with, you know, you were going to lose two games, just like when conference play comes around. There's going to be a couple games ahead. We could lose to LaSalle. I mean, it can happen. We can lose to Fordham. That doesn't mean we come out um, of conference play above 500 still. There's going to be those other games where it's like last year. How did you beat Dayton? We just got hot. How'd you beat Richmond? Well, we just played really well. Like, there's going to be teams that we shouldn't lose to that we lose to. 
and there's teams that we shouldn't beat that we do. That's just how conference play goes, and having an 8-4 and four record going into it with wins against serious opponents who would be middle of the pack in the A-10 or above, it means that we're prepped and ready to go. This isn't a soft non-conference schedule. No, not by any means. And you have to be happy as a St. Joe's fan because you just beat two of the five big five. That is great. That's not something that's been a constant over these last few years. Just get happy. Like, if you're not happy, take a moment and just be happy because this doesn't, it hasn't been a constant. Temple's been very much so in control of the series the last few years. This was a good win. Yeah, and, and don't take, like, 14 and 7. You just said it. We, we They were 14 wins against our 7 wins against them. Take that with a grain of salt. Take that with a win. And look back to where we were last year. Last year was so bad. We are winning games. We're feeling confident. We're beating teams that have name recognition. Yeah, they're in a down year. But guess what? We were apparently in a down year, too. So it's all, no. It's all just accept the wins. Don't, it's... I hate these Debbie Downers, but they, they're they out there. Don't be a Debbie Downer. You know, have a little joy. Yeah, I thought – I'll one more Debbie Downer note. I thought that since Casper – I don't know if you noticed, he went ponytail today. I thought he was going to go off because of the ponytail, the ponytail look. Uh, I think Casper, he gets a haircut. He's a different player. That's a hot take on Casper. I also love Reynolds' new haircut. Um but yeah, I agree. Casper shot another three today. We were like, "Come on, get in there!" And it just never—it's just. Won't, I don't think he's ever going to make a three at this point, <laughs> which I feel so bad. He wants to. He clearly wants to. I, I would love nothing more than for him to hit one. So. Yeah, that was another tough miss. <laughs> yeah, he was like wide open too. They're like, "Yo, take it." Uh, we have so much to get into from our uh, our fan mailbag, and so much to get into from the Twitter end. That I think we can pause our conversation on the non-conference play we've had so far. We're six and four. We're feeling good. Let's start talking about what people are people want to know about. We're going to the mailbag. We're going to the mailbag. Let's go, St. Joe! Let's go, St. Joe! Let's go, St. Joe! You've got me. Excellent. Um so I played my little drop there. Hopefully it didn't end too early, but um, Pete, how do you want to do the mailbag today? So we've got a I'll couple. Go ahead. What do you say? I said, we've got a couple in here. We've got a little bit in the, we're rummaging around in the mailbag. Yeah, we have quite a few to get into. I'll, I'll go ahead and start off, start us off uh, with Crimson and gray report. Crimson and gray uh, sort of says two things here. He says, Hope to see Forrest and Cam Brown get it going these next last ah get it going in these next two games before conference play. If they can get going, watch out. Also, DJ on a different note, DJ played the wheels on the bus today. That was a head scratcher. <laughs> um, yeah, Crimson and Gray report. I really hope more more for for me. I hope Forrest gets it going. I think. He's really the type of player that needs to be in rhythm to to do well. That's sort of been the the uh, the commonality for him and Cam Brown. Cam Brown, that's been his whole career. He's up and down, up and down, up and down. For Forrest, we saw a pretty consistent outcome last year, but he was injured. So I would like to see him pick it up these next few games. I think 
he has the opportunity to do so. If I'm him, if I'm a basketball, trying to get into the mind of a basketball player, he has to take easy shots before he can start taking threes. But it'll get there. I'm not too worried about that. As for the DJ playing Wheels in a Bus today. That song slaps. Come on, that's a classic. Why are we complaining? <laughs> yeah, like, pick and choose your complaints, uh, Crimson and Gray. I mean, yeah, who doesn't love the wheels on the bus? Children, it's a children's favorite. There was, we're a family atmosphere at Hagen Arena. That's just how we roll, okay? And literally roll like the wheels on the bus. And this bus isn't stopping. This is like a SEPTA bus on 54th. It is making the turn. And if you're in the left-hand lane, you better back your car up because this bus has wheels and they're rolling and they're turning. And it's a head scratcher, that's for sure. But they're coming. And they're, you know, right by Alsham, our sponsor, that turn is devious for SEPTA. Always, always. And they park there and then they go to Larry's use the bathroom. So if that's the kind of bus we're riding, that's fine. That's a representative of Philly and St. Joe's culture. So... And we're on the, the, the happy bus right now, you know? We, just we are on a happy, unlike most people on a bus, where I don't think it's very happy, it's actually one of the more depressing places on um, on Earth. <laughs> I think a bus is quiet, <laughs> you hear the roar of the bus, no one's looking at each other. I don't know about you, but I don't ride the bus that often. Um, and I, I hope that this bus is better than the one I've just described. All right, you want to get going on that? <laughs> yeah, we'll go on to the next one. It's time to move on. There's so many good ones today. I'm I'm locked and loaded. We're we're on cloud nine. I, t- yeah. I said this multiple times, and I said, better get your questions in now because me and Pete are not going to be this happy next week. Um, okay, so this one is from your brother, okay? So we're not going to – I'm not holding back on this one from Patrick. Hey guys, I have a question for Tony. Now that we're a couple of weeks removed from the Villanova loss, we're one week away, but yes, I have an important question. How does it feel to know your podcast partner's brother goes to Villanova and is an avid Villanova fan? Does that make any opinion Peter ever has as an SJU fan invalid due to his non-purebred family? P.S. Your Villanova architecture jokes make me laugh anytime. I walk over the bridge. Love the podcast. Wow, there's a lot to unpack in this one. Um, purebred family. What, what are we, are you a brand of racehorses? Like, what's going on? I don't know what that's about. That's kind of strange, but okay, Patrick, you do you, uh, as the kids say these days. Um, I'm sure they say that at Villanova, um, you know, always trying to find your inner self, your true self. Um, here's another thing. The bridge. Oh, yes, that the bridge that, to cross Lancaster, similar to the bridge that we have to cross City Ave., um, the City Ave one is cooler because you can see down City Ave, and City Ave's just a wild ride, so you get to see cool sh- drive. If you like, like me, I love Formula One. Um, I'm in it for the NASCAR car races, Formula One, IndyCar, and City Ave is as close to professional racing as you'll ever get. Um, you know, here's the thing about Villanova and your relationship to it, Pete. I feel so bad for you. I could never deal with that. Like, you must be a saint. You must have true loyalty to your family to to ever share a table with someone who went to Villanova I think I would probably remove myself from the family never return say I was going out for you know milk and then just never return so I think that's that's the situation I would have found myself in but luckily um you know my family I guess you want to call it purebred my brother went to St. Joe's so you know 
maybe I was just a little bit more um, influential on him than than you were on Patrick. Yeah, my parents, they made a mistake. I mean, <laughs> it was the last child. He's the youngest child. It, it's okay. We forgive him every now and then. We don't really... It's sort of like when Patrick comes into the room, it's sort of like a, a septa bus. You just sort of keep your eyes straight. Don't don't look too much at him. Is he wearing the Villanova uniform? Chinos, Chelsea boots, uh, finance vest. Is he wearing the Villanova uniform? I hope not. I would have. I would have to. <laughs> finance. Him. Is he a finance bro? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> hey, you better you better transfer. I mean, there's still time. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean the temple. We beat temple. It's fun. Come night yeah. Um Okay, you're up. You're up next, Pete. Sure. So this one is an interesting one. It comes from the uh, the hawk of the women's basketball team, who says that we should have on the men's basketball team on the hawk on our show. Um, you don't have a name, uh, Lady Hawk. Uh, it's so at Ash Witty, A C H W H I T T Y. But why wouldn't she publish her? Why wouldn't she be like, "Can I come on the show? Why yeah, is she like, gassing up the men's team?" I don't know. You guys have to flap the same amount, I would imagine, right? So, yeah, we would be happy to have on the men's basketball team, Hawk. Although I don't think they're supposed to talk, and they should have their mascot regalia on. So it might be a boring interview. But that should be fun. Um, he could be on the, the show right now for for all people know. He could be flapping in the background for all you know. Can't oh, see yeah. anything. We, I also haven't checked my Zoom invites. So perhaps... <laughs> <laughs> He's in the lobby. Let him in. Um, we got we got a new one here, Tony. So I'll just go back to back. It's from Hawk Enthusiast. We oh, got to read it. That's our most enthusiastic follower. <laughs> Hawk enthusiasts may be late. Huh, you weren't. Good job. Uh, but realistically, can we compete for a top five spot if Hall continues this level of play in the past couple of games? So, for me, I I would have to say that it cannot only be Hall playing to this level. You also need Educate or Funk playing to similar levels that we saw um, educate play to today. Educate, he had a, an awesome game. I mean, there were plenty of times we probably could have gone to him even more, but it was just having that threat that opens up so much for Jordan Hall. And Jordan Hall's finally just being able to capitalize on the fact that we can dump it down low and it's almost not guaranteed, but it's very much so a threat. He's being, uh, an efficient offensive scorer in in the deep post. We should be happy that we have Educate. He's a he's a true center for the the Atlantic Ten Conference purposes. Yeah, so, and I had said that in my article too, right? Like uh, the one I published at A Ten Talk. It's like the the strategy going forward is give it to Educate for the first ten baskets, make some space, and then for the rest of the game, he's a threat. Hall hits the Hall hits the lane. It's a threat for that alley oop. They did. Taylor Funk threw it to Educate a bunch of times for easy open dunks. So Educate is like the, the you know, Jordan Hall does get the points and he's the flashy player and he should be. He's really talented. But man, Educate is like the rock that we build the house on. Like it's just never, never moving. Like he is so solid. So going back to your question, Hawk enthusiast, can we be at the top 
five of the league if Jordan Hall keeps this up? It's a tough question. You see with St. Bonaventure today, they're lost to UConn. It comes down to who's healthy. Kyle Lofton's out. A lot of people on UConn are out still. It's a tough win for – it's a tough loss for the Bonnies. I think it really depends on how the conference looks. A lot can happen between now and the end of the A-10. Do I think if, – if Jordan Hall plays this good, will we be at the top five? To answer your question – there's a really nice say it. possibility. Say it, Pete. Come on. All right, fine. We'll be at the top five. We'll be at, yes. Hawk enthusiast. I am being enthusiastically yes. To Pound that table. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. My friend, my other um, Sean P, people might see him on Twitter, texted me the same thing. He's like, am I silly to think the Hawks are a top six team in the A-10? Like top six, I think is like the money, the money mark where it's like, wow, we were top eight. Like Tony said, because Tony's always right. But then, like, we beat Mason and UMass and Rhode Island enough to get to be sixth. Like, that's what it takes. It's like, now you got to beat Mason, UMass, Rhode Island. But, you know, we won't know until A-10 play actually starts. Like, we're still, it's still non-conference. But I, I think it's, there's still a chance. I mean, this team looks good. When they fire on all cylinders, they're good. Yeah, I'm really hoping that we beat George Mason, uh, specifically because of that he who should not be named um, it's okay there's a there, yeah there's a long list of haters and we're gonna bring them up in a second because i got it we're gonna talk about this funny th- funny thread in the sense that people are changing out there to go pro billy and so he, those who shall not be named from many schools may start to be allowed to be named again because they have converted to the right form of thinking the non-heretical pro billy lang thinking and we will open. We will welcome with open arms, only after repenting, um, for being a heretic against Billy Lang. So let me go to Mil Fartelli, a favorite of ours. Um, great name, always will be. Um, and he goes, "What kind of production do you expect going forward from Jordan Hall?" And this kind of ties into what that other question was: Are these past two games a hot streak, or is it sustainable? If we expect him to be a first-round pick, is it possible he drops twenty points a night regularly, especially in the A10? Um. You know, I always said that the goal for Jordan wasn't to, to score 20 points a game. It was 15 with a bunch of assists. But if his shooting is this clean, like, yeah, 20 points could easily happen. Um, and as, again, it, it just gets easier as Obina, as Reynolds gets better, as Funk continues to play well. I mean, Reynolds is just improving night after night. He's making the right moves, very, making very few mistakes. And he had a second sick block in a row. He literally snatched the ball twice out of the air the last two games. So... I think Hall's numbers go up as the rest of the team gets better too. So it's like a win-win situation. And yeah, uh, I think Jordan can get close to 20. I think he could finish the season with 18, 18 points a game. So there you go. Yeah, Mel. Right right now he's at like, I think 16 a game. So not, not unreasonable to think he gets there. Uh, Do you want to read 20? Bobby's question? Yeah, I'll read Bobby's. Uh, Bobby asks, was today the best version of the Hawks 21-2022 team? Can we play better? So I think we can absolutely play better. There's always an opportunity to play better. This, for me, was a solid performance all around for the Hawks. Uh, I think that beating a Big Five team, this was for me, a bigger win than the Georgetown game. So to answer your question, can we play better? I think there's 
we will need to play better going forward if we want to be in that top five echelon. Um, we'll need Taylor Funk to hit shots. We'll need uh, Eric Reynolds to develop. We'll need Jack Forrest to, do, to play well. We can always play better. I'm happy with the way that we played, but we can always play better. Shout out Bobby Hasty, my former teammate, fifth-year grad student on the St. Joe's track team. Bobby, thanks for submitting that question. I'm going to say this real quick for you, Robert. Um, yeah, we can play better. 33% from three, 69% from the free throw line, um, 38% from the total field. I think we had, I'm looking for my turnovers because I know that we had a ton of turnovers and it's killing me. Um, they had seven steals to R6. We had three, three blocks. Bench points could be a little bit higher and turnovers 13 to seven in favor of Temple. We had 13, Temple only had seven. A lot more to fix on, but the great thing is we made this like a mud fight in the sense that we drug, like, you know, we dragged them down to our level. We made them play our style of basketball. We were the bigger team. We bullied them and we played really good defense. So like there, those are the things we can hang our hats on. And Jordan Hall's like really good. And the things we need to improve on as a team is, you know, keep working to hit those shots, keep making the right decisions on the half court and try to turn the ball over as little as possible. This is like one of the few games where we win by 20 um, with that disparaging, you know, difference in um, in turnovers. I mean, one of the benefits for us was we out-rebounded this Temple team, but really it's rare to have a 20-point beatdown, and I think it's just like a testament to our defense really forcing bad shots for Temple. So the Paycom uh, Woodman Classic didn't really have too many fans, so I will call this maybe our eighth true game with a fan atmosphere. So this is this is a very young team. So playing in front of fans, that's a big deal. I would also say that they're getting more and more comfortable with each other. They're building trust. With that, maybe some of those turnovers don't happen. I see Jordan Hall. He progressively gets better. Tony says this. Listen to Tony. He, you can never go year, wrong. You can, you can never, never go, go wrong. wrong. Last year, you saw throughout the year, Jordan Hall became more and more efficient. This year, we've we've seen that happen. We've also seen him have some silly turnovers. Looking forward, I would look to, to, for Jordan Hall to score more confidently and more efficiently and perhaps be a little bit more secure with the ball. Yeah, and, he, and that will happen. Um, but yeah. There's, there's, there's room for improvement. Always is. You're not, until we're number one in the country, there's room for improvement. Always. Um, okay. I'm going to the famous Twitter thread. Um, over the past years, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to name people who aren't on the thread, but I'm going to say this. There's a lot of people out there who have doubted Billy Lang and I don't like to say their name. Um, Pete actually would listen to Tony's takes my original podcast and is how we kind of got in touch because Pete got a big argument with some of these folks and like Pete, you will be vindicated, I think in the end, but you know, as I said, to convert hearts, it's going to take a little bit. Billy's, you know, a lot of people have it out for Billy. It's hard for people to admit when they're wrong. Totally understand. We've all been there, but it's so fun watching it like play out in real time. And the fact that people are kind of waking up, people are waking up Pete. So let's go to the Twitter thread and, um, you know, I'm not going to do the people's court this week. We'll do the people's court next week. Um, when we have another case on our hands, but this isn't really a case. This is more like a, uh, just an explanation. 
So the Belk Report. They cover Davidson basketball. I interact with them sometimes. Sometimes they have uh, funny tweets. I, you know, get a little laugh. No one's as good as the gold standard, but sometimes I get a chuckle. And the Belk Report tweets out, St. Joe's eyeball, eyeball, eyeball. Okay? Like, as in, like, oh, we should be look like, look out. You know? Yeah, you should be looking out. We've been looking out for you. In West Pine Bills, who Pete has gotten an argument with pretty, pretty aggressively, I will say. Uh, I am a neutral party to all of this. Goes, they still stink, as in St. Joe still stinks. And the Belk Report goes, not as badly, depending on your definition of stink. But they're about the same level as UMass and Mason, which is something that Tony has been saying for all these years. And West Pine Bills goes, they're not, uh, they are... They are not 8 and 10. They're bottom four, 8 through 10 as in not record, but like level of the 8-10. And the Belk Report goes, no, go look at their resume, exclamation mark. It's decisively better than LaSalle, Duquesne, Fordham, and GW. Thank you, Belk Report. Um, And then he goes, Fordham is 100% finishing higher than Joe's this year. And the Belk Report responds again, maybe, but dude, go look at the actual results. I thought so too. Then I had to reevaluate after St. Joe's beat Temple. It's like the heavens, oh, oh, the heavens open up and I'm, oh, I'm reading the thread. I'm like, they get it. Someone gets it. Finally, I'm not alone in the wilderness. Like people understand, you can believe me. And um, West Pine Bills, go- Pine Bills goes, Temple would be like ninth in the A-10. This win means nothing. Well, they just won by, tw- then Belk Report responds, well, then they just won by 20 points against the ninth place team in the league. This is like the hypothetical. So if Temple's ninth, we just beat them by 20 points, um, which insinuates that they're better than the ninth place team in this league. And then West Pine Bill goes, that's called overreacting to one game sample. They also have, but then Belk Report responds, they have a win against Georgetown in the ninth in the A-10. So you all get so excited about some blowout win over crap teams. Now St. Joe's has two wins over mediocre schools and they don't mean anything. yes. It's like the gaslighting has stopped and I've been like released from this torture of like everyone always saying how hype it is that they beat you. Fordham lost to University of Maryland Eastern Shore, who everyone was freaking out about when St. Joe's beat them. We, it's like double think. Um, what's the book? 1984. You hold double think. You have two diapo- like. Two opposite logical opinions you can hold in your head at the same time. It's called doublethink. You can't do it. It doesn't make any sense. And yet some people find a way to do it because they evaluate a team and they go, oh, they they almost lost to University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Then they go, Fordham's going to be better than us. They lost to Maryland Eastern Shore. I don't want to hear it. And the other thing that Belk pointed out was that we beat the teams that St. Joseph's beat, um, Georgetown and Temple, are like around the 100 mark. And UMass has a win against a 90-ranked team, like in Kempom. And then George Mason has a win against a 50th-ranked team. However, UMass's losses are to, like, teams that are, like, 250 in Kempom. And same with um, George Mason. St. Joe's losses aren't that bad, and our wins are pretty decent. We're, like, right there. It's, like, our losses are against teams that are kind of on par with us, and our wins are against teams that we, you know, it's a nice little win to have. Like, it's okay to say St. Joe's is a decent team, even if you don't believe, like, West Pine Bills, like, doesn't believe in Billy, like, like, that's fine. I get it. Like, you don't like the guy for some, like, whatever reason. But, like, if you're going to evaluate these teams, evaluate them fairly. I think he came out with a stat sheet the other week that I responded to where he said something along the lines of, you know, like, Duquesne was higher than St. Joe's, but if I I pointed out that St. Joe's wins are better and their losses aren't as worse. And he said the same thing. He just doesn't believe in Billy. So it's like, 
I guess you're going to let all... I mean, it's his... He can... I mean, I'm not going to be able to convert him to the Lang Gang. Like, the Lang Gang's an exclusive club. Um, but I'm going to say this. Like, at one point... what What's the point where you will come to the dark side? And then Pete... Another Pete responded. And this was the icing on the cake. This is where... I felt so good when I saw this one. This is like the primo of the crop. Petey Buckets... He works with A10 Talk, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to state the fact this is what he said. As a Billy Lang hater and Jordan Hall non-believer, it pains me to say I agree with Belk, and you kind of have to pay attention to them now. Vindication! Thank you! And then Petey followed me. So thank you, Petey. I hope you're listening. You're welcome on the show anytime to debate us. Open invitation. And I welcome all haters with open arms when they convert to the Lang gang. We are not going to talk about the past we're just going to talk about the future and the greatness of st joe's basketball so it's okay i i don't hate you i love you i have no formal affiliation with a10 talk so pd buckets <laughs> and i we're not cool yet i mean i, ne- I never got the follow so i'm still pretty upset with pd pd buckets but west Pine bills that one's a real fight for you Petey yeah, Buckets that, is like whatever. It, for you, that, it's West Pine Bills. Like that's like a knockdown, drag out fight. I remember when that happened. He tried to tell me that we're gonna finish at the bottom two, and there's no way that we're finishing above Fordham. So uh, it's perplexing to me how I, I, I don't. Know. George Mason also they're they're unraveling like crown win of Maryland. Maryland's lost their last three or four. Mark Turgan is gone. Like that's not a, that's not a good win anymore. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just going to say this PD. It's not even worth, like, I don't bring this up to argue. I, I literally seriously bring this up just to say like how this Davidson fan account, like they've really changed. Like this win against temple has changed minds. Like that's the whole point. Not talking about any of this to hate on people. You can believe whatever you want. I mean, at this point there's no, I'm a grown adult. I can't like, care about stupid college basketball to like the point where I'm arguing with people and I'm not arguing with these folks because then that's just not the case but I will say this it's just nice to see that some people do change their minds and it's okay and um you know it will all work out people will come to our side or they won't but you know how we settle these things with funny bets that we're gonna win like, that's the, that's like the great, like, that's how, you know, we all win in the, St. Joe's wins in the end, because we're going to make these bets with folks. I have no problem going and doing a bet with any of these folks, something funny, maybe something, you know, college basketball related. We'll figure it out. You know, we'll, we'll have a good time. No anger or malice towards none, you know, malice towards none. But, um, you know, that's how confident I'm in this team. I'm, I'm ready to make bets with folks. See, this is why it's good that, Tony and I work together because <laughs> I am so on edge. Keeping Tony, you off keeping you off the edge. Tony's centering me. He's making <laughs> me realize, Peter, come on, just come back a little. It's okay. Don't yeah. let these guys It's like a therapy get session. Yeah, it's a everything's everything's good. It's uh, like at the end of the day, I've got an office job. <laughs> like <laughs> I really can't care that much about college basketball, and I think, you know, everyone else feels the same way too. So we just enjoy the wins. That we're here for the fun wins. Eating Temple at twenty—that's not—that's not so bad after all. Oh, um, they feel so good. It feels so yeah. good. It is one time to be a St. Joe's fan. I wanted to talk about one more thing, sort of 
unrelated to what we've been talking about so far, but it's been lingering. Uh, it's about Phil Martelli and the Lang transition. And I think it's sort of interwoven with some of these conversations that we've been having on Twitter with West Pine Bills, Belcrapore, PD, all those guys. Uh, and it has to do with how the move to Lang was an atrocious one. That's how they've described it. And I think we have to be getting to the point where we see that that answer isn't so simple. I, I think that there's just not enough to say that it was a bad move. I think what it comes down to for me is realizing that when Phil Martelli left, all pretty much he cleared ship. That doesn't happen. We lost our entire recruiting pipeline. That is not a commonality across coaches leaving in college basketball. There's turnover in Division One basketball coaching all the time. People don't just leave their school because the coach goes. That's not a norm. So for Billy Lang to be where he is year three, starting anew, it is incredibly impressive. Educate Abina is great. He's like a great transfer that we have. And I'm really happy I brought him up because I think he's going to help guys like Anton and CJ develop. And thinking about Jordan Hall, he's, an, he's a guy from day one with Billy Lang, Cameron Brown. And Tony has talked about this before. Taylor Funk, and his he's not a Billy Lang guy, but since Lang has gotten here, he's somehow become more efficient and healthier and more tone. And he he does he's he's a better basketball player. And he seems like he everything about the program is more basketball driven. Maybe we don't have the caliber of players that we once did. But we're getting there. And I think that's something that has to be noted. And you can't just shy away from that fact at this point. What do I have in my hands, Pete? It is a book by Jack McKinney, famous St. Joe's coach. You know, we've got like seven of them who've coached in the NBA. He's one of them. And it's called Tales from St. Joseph's. Heart, uh, St. Joseph's Hardwood. The Hawk Will Never Die. And there's a signature of Phil Martelli on it. I'm going to read a page. Because I was thinking about this, Pete. I don't know if we talked about this. Where is it? Ramsey's influence. So, for those who don't know, everyone talks about coaching trees. And St. Joe's had a little tree, you know, like Christmas tree, that had the famous Dr. Jack Ramsey on it. NBA winning coach. You know, we just had this dude. Like, that was the thing, the magic about St. Joe's was... We had this tree of coaches. Ramsey's influence continues to resonate at St. Joseph's University. His influence on the Hawk basketball program transcends 12 seasons he spent there as a head coach. His disciples, the guys he groomed and shaped into coaches, have populated Hawk Hill ever since Dr. Jack's departure. Here's the Ramsey legacy of Hawk coaches who played for Dr. Jack when he coached them. Jack McKinney, coach for, for St. Joe's from 66 to 74. Harry Booth. 74 to 78, Jim Lynham, 78 to 81, Jim Boyle, 81 to 90, John Griffin, 90 to 95, played for Lynham, 
The other one played for Ramsey's. And then he goes on, the Ramsey lineage arguably includes Phil Martelli. Phil was an assistant coach for John Griffin, who played for Ramsey and coached with Boyle. Suffice it to say, when it comes to St. Joseph's University basketball tradition, Dr. Jack has left a hawk print that goes deeper than the talons. And what happened when Phil left? You can say it was because St. Joe's fired him. Okay. But he also cleared ship, which is well known. Um, to Like, well known in the fact that it happened. Like, I don't know if he, he... I can't say he told people to leave, but the ship cleared. Like, there's just no one... There was no one there. And we lost all of that history. That was the coaching tree. And we supplanted it with a Jay Wright tree. And I sometimes don't think that was the right maneuver. This is what I was thinking about after the Villanova game. I was thinking, you know, maybe that's not the right thing. Maybe that what gave St. Joe's magic was, you know, we have Dr. Jack Ramsey tree. Like, that's a better tree. LaSalle has the Tom Gola tree. Like, they've got their own tree. Cheney at Temple, they've got their own tree as well. Everyone had their own tree. I think to save the big five, everyone's got to stop trying to be like Villanova, and they got to be more unique in this sense. Um, and luckily... Billy's winning the games he has to win. We didn't beat Villanova, but that's just a little history lesson for all of you out there. Dr. Jack Ramsey was the greatest coach in St. Joe's history, and we broke lineage with that, and that's why we're in turmoil, and no other team other than LaSalle in the A-10 will ever understand that. The VCU coaching tree doesn't go like this. One of a kind. You know, what's really sort of ominous is that we... There's one person besides from Phil Martelli who's still in the Jack Ramsey coaching tree. And that's there are two. Sorry, there's two. There's Mil, Mil Fartelli and then there's <laughs> Her, Harold Hawk. <laughs> this is true. I can confirm. The only way, honestly, the only way you bring back the Ramsey tree is with Jameer at that, in, in theory. I mean, that's literally the only, or it's another player who who played under Martelli. Like, that's the only ones that I can think of. So, maybe it's Harold. Yeah, I just, I don't know if it's even possible at this point. I don't know. So much has happened. So much has happened. Well, you know what? At least we won. I think that's how we closed the show. Yeah. On that note, uh, it was a awesome week for St. Joe's basketball. We have two really fun ones coming up with uh, the game at Bradley uh, and then closing off non-conference play with Holy Cross at home on the 22nd. So uh, without further ado, uh, that is all for us at Hawk Talk. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hawk Talk SJU. Like, give us a comment, send us your DMs. We'll read them. It was a lot of fun as always. Tony, do you have anything to add? Nah, just enjoy the win. Enjoy the win and have a great week, everyone. And as always, the Hawk will never die.